All right, turn with me back again to Acts chapter 20. Um, well, this, this might wind up being a couple week endeavor here. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, in um, verse 17, Paul has called forward the elders from Ephesus. And he's kind of giving a he's giving a farewell speech because one of the things he tells the leaders in Ephesus during the speech is that you will never see my face again. Um, and so he knows that that what he has been called to do is kind of coming to an end. And he's encouraging them, but at the same time, he's also looking back and giving a bit of a synopsis of what he has done throughout his ministry following God. And we've talked almost endlessly here in, in this class about Paul's dedication, about his willingness to serve Christ and to do whatever he was called to do, regardless of the situation that he winds up in, regardless of how tough it is, regardless of if he winds up in jail, regardless of if he's beaten, it doesn't matter to him. Christ is his goal. And knowing that even if he dies, it is a gain because he gets to be with Christ drives him even harder. And what we had read through here, starting at verse 17, and really going to the end of the chapter um, is the encompassing of this speech that Paul gives to the Ephesian elders. And so what I was hoping to do this morning is to kind of break this down into a series of, of readings and go through it one more time and then share with you uh, the notes that we're, we're, why, that's all folks. Warren Wearsby has an incredible way of looking at God's word and expanding upon it and opening it up. And um, a lot of the things that uh, Wearsby wrote on this particular chapter here are, um, I think, worth sharing. And so I wanted to take us through that today and uh, just spend some time going through it. So let's let's start again. Um, actually, we'll start at, at verse 18 because the elders, he's called them and here they are. So let's, we're going to read through 18 through 21 because this is a review a bit of his past. And then we're going to read what, Wars, what uh, Warren Wiersbe has to say. And eventually I'll say that without tripping over my own tongue. In verse uh, 18, he says, and when they came to him, he said to them, meaning obviously the, the elders came and Paul is speaking to them. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance through God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wiersbe writes on those particular verses, he says, Paul was not one to work into his ministry gradually like a diplomat feeling his way. From the first day, he gave himself unsparingly to the work of the Lord in Ephesus, for Paul was an ambassador and not a diplomat. And he explains it here a bit. He says, the motive of Paul's ministry is found in his phrase, serving the Lord. He was not interested in making money or in enjoying an easy life. 
for he was a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Paul was careful to let people know that his motives for ministry were spiritual and not selfish. And we've talked a bit about that in here, how it's easy for us, especially those who are elders or preachers or pastors, that people come up to you and say, what a great job you've done. And people come up to you and, and pat you on the back a little bit and say, boy, that was a good sermon today. And it's it's easy for us to fall into, and I think it I think it also applies to Sunday school teachers. It applies to anyone who's serving in ministry in any capacity. You can do it, start to do it for selfish reasons. You can start to do it for you you like the lift that you get from other people when the attention and the light starts to shine upon you a little bit. And I think it's also why we see so many people fall in ministry when they become celebrities. But in this case, this this Wearsby is making this point to us that, that Paul is letting his his elders from Ephesus know that Christ is all that we need to be focusing on. And he was careful to let people know that his motives were purely spiritual. Wearsby goes on to say that the manner of his ministry was exemplary. He lived a consistent life which anybody could inspect, for he had nothing to hide. He served in humility and not as a religious celebrity, demanding that others serve him. But his humility was not a sign of weakness, for he had the courage to face trials and dangers without quitting. Paul was not ashamed to admit to his friends that there had also been times of tears. The message of his ministry was also widely known because he announced it and taught it publicly, as well as in the various houses and churches of the fellowship. He told sinners to repent of their sins and Jesus and believe in Jesus Christ. This message was the gospel of the grace of God, and it is the only message that can save a sinner. Furthermore, Paul reminded them that in his ministry, he had not held back anything that was profitable to them. He declared to them all the counsel of God. His was a balanced message that included the doctrines and duties as well as the privileges and responsibilities that belong to the Christian life. In his preaching, he, never, he neither compromised nor went to extremes, but kept things in balance. Paul also kept his outlook and congregation balanced, witnessing both to Jews and to Gentiles. Now let's talk about that for a minute. One of the reasons why I wanted to spend time reading all these notes and boring everybody to death with just hearing my voice all the time is that when we talk about Paul and his dedication, sometimes it's easy for us to go, boy, he was dedicated. Oh, he was dedicated. He wouldn't stop for nothing. But what did that look like? What did it really mean? And Wearsby really breaks that down here and talks about what a ministry of a life dedicated to Christ would look like. How you would you would seek to, to be balanced in your conversations, but how I, I, I can't get past him saying I didn't spare anything that was profitable to you. Now stand on that for just a minute. As Christians and talking to other people about Christ, do we give them the whole thing, lovingly spill everything out? Because Paul is saying I didn't hold anything back from you. I told you everything you needed to know to achieve salvation. 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mince words. I didn't, I didn't, you know, step lightly, but I did it in such a way that was, was, was loving and caring. And I did it completely out of obedience to Christ. And I say that because I, I still, if I have an opportunity to talk about Christ, and sorry if I'm if I'm belaboring a point here over the, the many weeks, but even when I when I have an opportunity to talk about Christ, there is this reluctancy that boils up inside of me that wants me to be careful about the words I choose. Not just share the word of God and have a conversation like we should do, but I'm I, I start to be way more worried about offending and I believe the thing inside of me that's boiling up is what is this person going to think of me when these words come out of my mouth are they going to are they going to want to talk to me anymore are they going to want to like me anymore and and pride steps into the way of being obedient to Christ and Wearsby's telling us that Paul never had that happen to him not that he wasn't a sinner Paul will tell you what a sinner he was and not that he didn't struggle, and not that there weren't tears, and not that there weren't hard times, but when it came to being obedient to Christ, he, he told everybody what they needed to hear. And that was his first and foremost goal. And I think it's an incredible challenge to us as followers of Christ to look at Paul's life. Obviously, Christ is the example we hold up above all. But to look at Paul's life as a picture of being obedient to your calling in ministry. How do, how do we do this? What does that life look like? Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? You know, you, go ahead. Apparently there's a heavy Mormon population around here. And as I got older, I grew up with a lot of the Mormons because they went to the Latter-day Saints and he ran and they went to seminary before school. Teenager, I really think about it now when I see them in like the Kroger parking lot. My mind shifted to if they talk to me, I have to tell them about God because they know Jesus, they don't know God. So, like, do I want to do that right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, how much time do I have? And so, I'm used to talking because I just felt like talking to people in public, but now I'm like, if they don't see me, then I don't have I don't, you know what I mean? I don't have to. You tell me everything you want to tell me, that's fine, but then you have to listen to me. Yeah. Because they're like 18-year-old kids, that this is how they've grown up. And so I'm like, be like Paul, just say what you need to say. But that's hard to do, especially in a program. It's very hard to do. It is very hard to do. And and and, I, and I'm just going to say that your statement, Brad, you may not remember this, but you and I had a, had, a, had a conversation some time ago that just came to mind when she said that. You talked about how they were raised this way, they were taught this, and now they are doing this because it's what they're taught. Brad and I had a conversation one time standing out there on the front porch about the fact that we're Baptists at this point. Most of us, not all of us, some of us have come through Catholicism and other places, but most of us in this room have grown up in this environment and in these surroundings. And so the statement that, well, they're this way because this is how they were brought up, what they were taught, to a large degree, applies to a lot of us too. Absolutely. And, and so it's it's difficult 
to to use that kind of reasoning yeah. because it gets thrown right back on you. And and you start to go, oh, well, uh, and, and, and it's hard to refute it. And that's why when we're doing those kinds of things, God's word is what works. God's word is what brings it back back home um, because we've all got different experiences. And diff- I heard John MacArthur one time, he was criticizing Joel Osteen. And, uh, and I'm not trying to make any comments about either one this morning because they, they both, they both are, are open for criticism at times, um, just as I am. But his comment was that one of the reasons why Joel Osteen is so popular and one of the reasons why people listen to him is that he constantly refers to his teaching and says, I know this is good because it works for me and my wife. And, and MacArthur was going... That doesn't validate anything. Just because you have a personal example that your teaching and your interpretation, what he was trying to say was, go back to Scripture and validate what you're saying. Go back to Scripture and validate that this is why I say this, God's Word says this, and and, and then you can lead that to personal experiences if you want to. But you have to come back and stand on Scripture and stand on God's Word to validate what what you're saying. And when it really boils down to it, I had a uh, I had a, a gentleman that I worked with for a number of years, who who was a very steadfast Mormon, and he he handed me I never opened it I must admit he handed me a, a book of Mormon, and he handed it to me in this way he said, read it it's wonderful and it is in zero zero conflict with anything that is in the Old and New Testament. In no way does this conflict with anything in the Bible that you that you already are familiar with. That's interesting. That was that was his word to me, and and I I I, I took it and kind of walked on. Um, didn't I didn't we had various conversations over the years. But he was such a devout devout Mormon that he had his own own beliefs in his own place, and uh, you know. But we could talk. And not argue. That was what was cool about it. We could talk and we could have a discussion. And, and but I did not open the Book of Mormon. I didn't read it. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I can tell you what's in it because I don't know. I know uh, he is lowercase. Like God is lowercase because Jesus is the main mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. We all know some Jesus. That's interesting. Huh. Well, I just say that to, to say that that you know uh, we've talked about before having your elevator pitch, you know get that get that two minute speech together that references certain verses in scripture that you can relate to, explain, expound upon, and and use it as a basis for why you believe what you believe, and uh, and, and be able to have that conversation. Um, because I, I would I would venture to say I mean we know we know how, how educated uh, Paul was we know how 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 much he says he was um, uh, brought up and taught and so on and so forth and he and he knew the scriptures but he knew the scriptures he didn't know Jesus and and so we've got to put we've got to put our faith together with God's word and make it all work together so any other comments there. On that particular, and the opportunity to speak to, 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 to. 
you know, I, I've struggled before, like you said, with the fact of, hey, go on affinity one, you know, make sure this or that. But this time, I don't think I struggled too much with that. But I, I, I still felt that when I left there, I wanted to sprinkle a lot more God in there than I did. And I did sprinkle some, uh, saying Savannah both said that I did. But I, I wish that, you know, I think maybe that's just a, you're always going to be more critical of yourself and walk away and go. Oh, I promise, yeah. Than that, or I should have, you know, mentioned this and mentioned that. But, you know, I did quote uh, one verse, and that was John, you know, 15, 13. And, you know, greater love has been one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I, I was talking about uh, serving leadership and sacrifice. And, you know, I, I told my thing off, you know, I'm a man of faith and I'm a Christian. I feel Christ obviously models those two things, sort of leadership and sacrifice, more than any man that has ever lived or whatever lived. And, uh, I, I don't believe I said that, but I'm saying that today, so it sounds good anyway right now. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's just uh, what, a, what an awesome uh, opportunity and platform that was get granted to me. Yeah. And I thank God for that. But I do pray if I get another opportunity that it'll use me more than he did the last time. Because I mean, it was seven or eight hundred students. And I don't know how many in the church or how many were Christians. But then you've got probably a hundred or so uh, staff and teachers as well. So this was an assembly, not a class. That is correct. Yeah, okay. It was the entire gymnasium. I don't think I've ever spoke to that far as the crowd before. So, you know, I can speak, you know, that was a little, little intimidating and just because there's so many people. I mean, you're looking all looking to the left, you're looking to the right, you're looking to the you know, it was just uh, it was a lot of folks there. No kidding. <laughs> Do you kids really like it? They Oh, did they like it? Or did, did they ask them next time? Did I did I sprinkle a lot of God? Well, they seem they they said you did. Scripture school. <laughs> school. Like they thought it was really cool. So I mean, I think it just takes the bigger mustard seed. I just prayed, and you know, uh, that was the thing for me. It was like God, how can I? You know, they always want, and I don't say we. The country, for whatever reason, is wanting to separate church from state, or state from church, and kick prayers out of school, and kick the Ten Commandments out of the public offices, and all this kind of stuff. I, I guess, is it awful that thou shalt not kill? You know, is it awful that thou shalt not you know, steal? You know, I, I can't right. understand yeah. why those things are so awful. I mean, maybe God wants to what's awful, right, I guess, but um, it, it's. I, I just, it's just frustrating to, for me that I feel like I need to censor. Censor, yes. And walk up. Yeah, I'm standing up there as a veteran right. trying to talk about freedom of speech, right. freedom of uh, religion, right? Yes. Our forefathers, what they fought for, and I gotta feel like I don't have a freedom or something. Or I, I don't, I, that's, that's a sad feeling, yeah. especially to hear the kids say, he quoted scripture when you. You, get, you should hear the stuff these kids are talking about. Like, that's sad that that's a surprise. You know what I mean? That's sad, but good for you, though. Yeah. 
because obviously it did stick even to teenagers. I wish, I wish, and I, I see that, 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 that my question is, is why would you buy that? Right. I could have been as bold as, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but before I even start, before I even speak with you, this is a practice of mine. Okay, you bow your heads now, I gotta pray. And this is more for me than even you. You might know say, or whatever, and, and I probably would have said, ask, ask God right in there to use me and speak through me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm here to tell you, I didn't do that. I, I wish I had. You know what I'm saying? But I, I didn't. Well, I just think it's a but it's a point to this, right? God puts us in situations and he calls us to do certain things. And I think that you can do no more than before you're in those situations to pray that you'll be led by the Holy Spirit to do what God wants you to do. Right. And if you do that and, and that's the way you approach it and you walk away from it, then you your job is to your job is to satisfy the Lord, not to satisfy men. And and so when you get in those situations and God has opened up doors and opportunities, it doesn't mean that he's going to want you to say so much that you get kicked out. Right. Right. That's what I, that's what I had to tell myself afterwards, because I, I did pray. I said before I went in, I said, Lord. Put me in the back seat. Yeah. Yep. Diminish me, eliminate me, all my soldiers, all my problems. Yeah. And I think that's that's a legitimate thing for all of us to do as we approach those situations. We're going to expand upon this a lot more uh, next week when Paul talks about the testimony of the present um, in verses 22 through 27. And then we'll we'll keep going through this as we break it down and finish out uh, verse our, our study of verse 20. But I appreciate the discussion this morning about openness and willingness and challenges that we face. And just as we depart from here this morning, being of a mindset to take advantage of these opportunities, but to be spirit-led in the process, to not do it in such a way that that we are vindictive or we are seeking our attention to our own selves, but we are instead just endeavoring to be spirit-led and to follow uh, what we have been called to do in ministry. Let's have a word of prayer and, and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for all you've done for us. Lord, I thank you this morning for the discussion. I thank you so much for um, just preserving your word and giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, as we depart from this room and we enter into the sanctuary, um, I do ask that you will prepare our hearts for worship. Um, Lord, allow us to participate. Allow us to be moved. And, and most most importantly, Lord, allow us to make those who need to make a decision to make a decision for you and those of us who know you. May our relationships be strengthened. And again, Lord, we thank you for all you've done, but most of all for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.